I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast, another one in our transfer series. And this is one that I know some people are going to poo-poo straight away, straight off the bat. And that's okay, too, because everybody's allowed to have an opinion. Um, I'm not here to tell you that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is going to come in and revolutionize Aston Villa. But what I am going to tell you is going to take a look at him from an objective standpoint and see if there's anything that he could offer based on the right price and from what his, what statistically he's done. Um, over the last 365 days at Liverpool. So, yes, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is somebody that we are going to be talking about today. Aston Villa are in the market for at least one more midfielder. I think potentially we could even see two more midfielders. Tim Erguinham looks like he's going to be going on loan to QPR. And I think Aston Villa are going to still... I think there was chairs that need to be filled regardless of whether Tim went on loan. Um, but I think that uh, Villa are definitely going to ha- going to want to have to to, to bulk up that midfield area. And um, considering we played a, a, a lot of different players in their last season, but still it was the it was the main three players that we rotated in amongst the number eight positions. So Alex Oxlade Chamberlain is somebody that has been linked to us, been linked throughout the course since the end of the season. Really, he's been somebody that keeps on popping up as a potential link. Uh, too many people to to mention have linked him in tentative. Um, circumstances toward Aston Villa. He's as low as uh, seven to two with the bookmakers to become an Aston Villa player by the end of the season. Four to one to become a Manchester United player, and four to one to become a West Ham United player. Um, by the end of this, by the end of the transfer transfer market, should I say? So I think it's worth talking about him personally. Do I think he's going to sign? 
I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he is going to sign, but I think that as targets like Basuma get snapped up by other teams, if Villa don't get those guys, I think he's probably on a list somewhere, but I don't think he's number one on the list for Steven Jarrett, if that makes sense. But I think as that list begins to dry up, I think he could become more and more into uh, uh, could could become more and more into the face for for Aston Villa for a potential purchase so as you all as everybody knows you know and, and people would be very familiar with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain 20, 35 caps for England seven goals um signed started his career with Southampton played the majority of his career with uh with Arsenal and then has played five years with Liverpool and has had some injury woes and injury troubles um and that is something that I suppose is going to um is going to how am I going to frame this conversation? Because Alex Oxley Chamberlain, I don't think he's his talent is in doubt at all. It's it's can he overcome those injuries and can he can he get the better of them? Can he become the player that he was prior to those injuries? And we've seen it in fits and starts because in the 2019-2020 season, Alex Oxley Chamberlain was absolutely phenomenal for for uh, for Liverpool. When you look at the way that he played in that season, he started 30 games, scored four goals, uh, had two, had um, or scored four goals in the league. He um, overall he scored eight goals that season, scoring, scoring, uh, or playing 43 games. So when he plays and when he plays regularly, he could be quite productive. Even last season, um, within the league, he played 17 games. Overall, he played 29 games, scoring three goals. So there is a, still a big sample set for somebody like Oxlade Chamberlain when we are looking looking at his uh, at his potential and what he might bring in because he's only 28 years of age. He isn't going to be uh, 29 for some period of time yet. You know, he's not 29 until August. So the season will most likely st- will start and he won't even be 29 years of age. And that blows my mind how young he is and and yes, he has had some injuries, but the position he plays, um, specifically now that he's moved off that wing and into that into the more central role, um, I think that there is more tread on the tires for him from that point of view. But as I say, it would be remiss not to talk about the injuries. He had a knee injury in 2020-2021, which kept him out for 113 days. He did do his cruciate ligament back in 2018, which kept him out for over a year, he's missed 43 games. And since that, he's had some niggles with hamstring injuries and, and, and stuff like that. He had one hamstring injury, should I say, in 2019, which had him out for 34 days. So when you look at Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think that we're probably in a better position, that we would be in a better position to purchase him now as opposed to maybe purchase him a year ago. And, and bear with me on this one, because it's like he looks like a player who's done his rehabilitation. From from certain injuries, from the hamstring injuries, from the little knock on effects that he's had after doing cruciate ligament injuries, and and I think that's important because now that he's moved back into the center again, as I said, he's not going to be relying on his latent pace. So it's not like when when maybe Mike Lowen started getting his hamstring injuries and then he just fell off a cliff from an injury point of view. And um, there is a train of thought that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has moved positions to try and preserve his body. And that's okay too, because we're going to be looking at him as a number eight. And if he was to come into Aston Villa, um, maybe he wouldn't be a starter every day of the week, but he would be somebody that would be able to come off the bench. He would be somebody that would be able to pop in and play games at the number eight position. And when we look at his statistics, he's not that bad a player at all to have to come in there to move that ball to get that get that passing uh, motion up up again and also he contributes within the defensive phase as well so 
while I'm while we are talking about Oxley Chamberlain, my caveat for him is that yes, I don't want him to be our number one target that we would go for in central in central midfield. I think that's obvious to everyone. But as an option, as a chess piece to come in, say we could sign him for 10 million, 9 million, something in and around that, that price bracket. And I think Liverpool will be open to selling him this this offseason. And I don't think that they would look to look to have the bank broken to, to to sign him. But I think as a 10 million player, he could be a real nice little cog in the wheel for Aston Villa. Um, albeit I think that there are better options out there that out there than him. So there's my caveat before we start looking at some statistics to do with uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. So here we are. We have Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. As I say, transfer market have him at 14.4 million, a predicted transfer. Um, I think that's probably slightly high based on his injury record, but Klopp likes him and he has been used quite a lot this season. As I say, 29 appearances um, this season just gone. He scored two goals and he had two assists. And based on his 90-minute production levels, that puts him... Um, based on yeah, based on ninety, so twenty nine appearances sounds like an awful lot, but he really had just shy of a thousand minutes on the field for Liverpool this season. So he was used to coming off the bench. He was used to um, I think he's he started only a handful of games. I don't have the number in front of me, but this is another reason why um. I, I think that it would be favourable for somebody to ask, for Aston Villa to look at him if the price was right, if it was in around the 10 million mark, um, because he is productive when he does come off the bench and he is productive when he plays. And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about, that obviously he I, I don't I wouldn't want him to be the only number eight to come into come into this team. I think that we would want him along with somebody else and build a stable of number eights. Like, as we say, if he was to come in with a Conor Gallagher in there, two different types of players, but Conor Gallagher could come in and could be that like-for-like player that could replace a Jacob Ramsey or replace a, a John McGinn and wouldn't mean that we would have to change our tactics, but would still allow us to press on with the, our tactics during the course of a game. And Oxlade-Chamberlain could be somebody who could start and start start in that position or maybe push him forward into the central attacking midfielder position and utilize his passing ability there uh, as well. So let's look at some of his statistics there. From a defensive point of view, I was actually really impressed with the amount of tackles that he has. Um, he's also, his pressure rate uh, is 18 pressures per game as well. His pressure success rate is very, very high. So, um, you know, pressure rate comes in middle of the pack. Pressure success rate is he's winning at a higher clip than everybody else. Uh, fouls committed, doesn't commit an awful lot of fouls, so those pressures are good. And I think those pressures are, you can see that in games that he plays. Obviously, Klopp likes to play that that high press or likes to press everywhere within the field. And 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 having somebody like Oxley chamberlain that can, they can put pressure on players through, throughout the course of the, uh, whether it be in the attacking third or the, or the middle third. And then, obviously, as we can see, his possession stats with his carrying ability and his passing stats, which are pretty decent as well. I think that that will be favourable for Aston Villa. And we're not saying that we go away and we spend 25, 30 million on this guy and he comes in and he starts 30 games a season or 40 games a season for us, including cup games or whatever, because I think that's naive to think. But when you're talking about a cog in the wheel, um, for the for the right price, and I mean like for the right price for Aston Villa, I think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is, is, is somebody that still has a, a lot to offer, um, albeit that it would be a sparing lot to offer, provided that uh, he has rehabilitated from his injuries. And when we look at his passing stats here, yes, his passing attempts come in at 47. They're not, it's not a massive amount. It's actually in and around the same amount as Douglas Luiz currently, who is by far and away our most our, uh, most active passer, who passes the most. He's our pivot player throughout the course of the season. I think that's definitely going to change to Bubakar Kamara over the coming over, over the next season. Um, we look there; these progressive passes are quite high, five point one four. That will put it. That puts him 
above John McGinn, that would immediately make him the most progressive passer on our team, which I think is something we need to do specifically from the number eight position. If we're going to have that metronome in, in Bubakar Kamara, if we're going to have somebody like Jacob Ramsey who can carry the ball, Alex Oxley chamberlain comes in and allows you to carry the ball as well, but he's also adept at picking that forward pass. And we can see that here because his shot-creating actions and his goal-creating actions are actually quite high as well. So he's really creative, and he's creative from that number eight position, specifically for Liverpool over the last, uh, over the last 365 days. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg... This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. His possession stats here as well. Once again, a ball carrier. He's got a high dribble completion rate. He's a high dribble success rate. And he carries into the attacking third means that he put, he he brings that ball forward and he brings it with him. You can see there he is in the top 1% of number eight uh, central midfielders in all of Europe for carries into the attacking third. And I think, once again, we've spoken about it before. Um, you know, Aston Villa need another ball carrier because the only ball carrier we have in the whole team at the moment is Jacob Ramsey. And to have another ball carrier like an Oxlade Chamberlain um, or um, to a lesser degree, Conor Gallagher was a ball carrier too. Um, I think that that becomes, uh, that immediately opens up what our midfield can do, allows Coutinho and Buendia not to be receiving the ball with their back to goal or receiving their ball that far off from goal. If you've got someone carrying the ball, running at defences, these guys can slip into half spaces. They can start They can start running off the shoulders of players and it immediately makes us a, diff- a more difficult team to defend against. You can see here his progressive carries have him right up there as well. So if he's not just carrying the ball into the attacking third, he's also carrying it around the field as well. And he's carrying it forward. So he's driving that team forward. And we know how we played when we had somebody who could drive the ball forward a small little bit when they were playing, when, you know, with the ball at their feet, should I say. And uh, Alex, Alex Oxley Chamberlain could come in and maybe do that from the right hand side, just like Jacob Ramsey does it from the left hand side. So, all that withstanding, obviously, and we did. I did have a big preamble at the start with regards to injuries and with regards to what Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is, what he does, and, and maybe he's been rehabilitated at Liverpool. And if we were to swoop now and if the price was right, I think he could be a nice cog within that midfield area for Aston Villa, specifically covering the right-hand side of that midfield three that Steven Gerrard likes to play. So some of his strengths, as I've seen there, he's very much an attacking-minded attacking player, specifically from that deeper position, that deeper number eight position. He's got a really high and a really good pressure rate, pressure success rate, and his shot creation is something that is sparking my interest here as well because um, Coutinho and Buendia will be, well, specifically Coutinho, he, he will have freedom next season 
especially if we're playing two tens, to take a lot more shots because he had, prior to coming to Aston Villa, one of the better shot conversion rates from outside the box. So I think that that is something that if we can progress the ball forward, get the ball to him in more advantageous positions, as opposed to giving it to him when he's back to goal and almost playing that hold-up player, which is absolutely useless in my point, in my eyes, um, then we can... Um, we can utilize him. But if he's the only outlet of attack, that if Jacob Ramsey isn't carrying the ball forward and it has to go to his feet, that's warm mentality from defenses, which we have seen um, happen to, to Philippe Coutinho in the latter half of the season. We need to negate that. And the best way to do it is to have have people who can carry the ball or who can progress the ball, the ball forward from multiple positions as opposed to just having him as the focal point there. The obvious weaknesses with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain are, are nobody has any metric or nobody has that magic magic eight ball to predict whether those injuries, those tweaks, those hamstring pieces, those cruciates, it, what the long-term effects are on those and if they do come back. So that's why this would be very much price-dependent for me. And lastly as well, his workload. Um, I have it in here as a weakness and I suppose really if I was to think twice about it again for where I would envisage him playing, Okay, right. If he's going to be a starter week in, week out, I think his workload is is fine. But I do, I just don't think that, and I have his weakness in here, but I don't think he gets that workload that we can see that he has here at Aston Villa if he does join and plays in our midfield. And what when I specifically the possession and the passing workload, but what I would look at there is that if he doesn't get that that workload, um does he do does he need to increase his interception rate over the course of the season so if he's going to be more of a defensive uh, mindset and 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 we're breaking more on on the counter attack i think it would be an interesting study for him and i'd like to see him in a team like that but uh, based on how our midfield i've no idea how our midfield is going to set up next season and i think we should all wipe the slate clean with regards to what we think the midfield is going to set up because we've got a new coach in Critchley and also we're going to have um, a full off season to implement what Steven Gerrard wants because I certainly don't think the midfield was what Steven Gerrard wanted and it's very difficult to implement that on the fly throughout the course of the season. So that is something to to uh, to bear in mind. Let's look at Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in relation to some of the incumbents that we have here. With regards to defensive statistics, uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain trumps Douglas Louise in some of those areas and actually four out of those five areas with interceptions being the only area where Douglas Louise actually gets the better of Oxlade-Chamberlain. And then interestingly, in the passing stats uh, statistics, uh, point from a passing stats statistics point of view, should I say, Douglas Louise trumps uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain from an attempts and a pass completion point of view. Now, it's not by a massive amount, but still, it's enough to affect the game. There's a, there's a four-ish percent delta there in his pass completion rate, and I think that that's something that Oxlade-Chamberlain would have to do with Aston Villa. He would have to be pinpointing with his passes, and um, I think I think that that's something that we would um, he would have to have to excel in, you know, if he was to come into this midfield uh, position. Saying that, Douglas Louise might have a better pass completion rate, but Oxlade Chamberlain gets those passes that he does complete further forward up the field. So that and and that's um, sorry, he gets more of those passes up the field, should I say? And and that to me is really interesting, and that's what I kind of want to see. I want to see us moving forward with the ball as opposed to. Uh, as as opposed to kind of almost being too lethargic in our build-up because I think our, our lethargy in our build-up over the course of specifically the, the middle part of the season, I think that really killed us against teams that we should have been we should have been beating. Um, possession stats with regards to the touches, dribbles completed, successful dribbles, carries into the attacking third, progressing the ball forward with the ball at your feet. 
Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain blows Douglas Louise out of the water from that point of view. Obviously, Douglas Louise playing in the more withdrawn sixth role does uh, is, is kind of maybe a potential reason for that. But let's look at how Oxlade-Chamberlain performs with regards to John McGinn and Jacob Ramsey coming up as well. So with regards to John McGinn, we're going to start off with the possession stats. Uh, John McGinn did carry the ball a small bit for Aston Villa this season. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain absolutely beats him in 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 all those metrics with regards to the amount of touches he has per game, the amount of dribbles completed, successful dribbles, carries into the attacking third, progressive carries. It's not. It's a non-contest in that point of view. A much elevated level with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain last season. And now, granted, he's playing in a better team that offers him a small bit more protection, 100%. But I think that this is something that when you go back historically throughout Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's career, his possession statistics from the point of view of carrying and progressing the ball forward have always been high. So I don't think that this is a statistical outlier based on the team that he's playing for. It was the same with Arsenal. It was the same with Liverpool um, in in years gone by as well when he did play a, a greater amount of games. Moving up towards the passing stats here, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain passes the ball more and he completes more passes than John McGinn with a better pass progression rate as well. So um, he's, he's winning out in the passing stats as well based on last season. And then going towards the defensive statistics, he wins out in three areas, which, which are namely pressure rate and pressure success rate, and he commits less fouls than John McGinn. But John McGinn does intercept the ball more and does have more tackles throughout the course of a game than Oxlade Chamberlain. So they're actually a nice yin and yang when you look at what they can do together. And uh, they're an interesting study to see uh, see both of them side by side. Obviously, uh, John McGinn has uh, qu- quite a, a larger number of minutes behind him than Oxlade Chamberlain does over the course of the season. But still, these are uh, the, these. The, there's a reason I picked statistics here. Uh, if I picked this, uh, or I use statistics, should I say, that are per 90 minutes. So it gives an average and an aggregate score out throughout the course of the season. So that makes it a small bit fair when we're looking at players side by side. And lastly, Jacob Ramsey, when we take a look at this here, um, Jacob Ramsey wins out in his offensive stakes. He has more tackles and he has more pressures than um, than Oxlade-Chamberlain. Uh, he also has more interceptions than Oxlade-Chamberlain. So from a defensive point of view, Jacob Ramsey affects the game more in that in that. Um, area of the field, but from a passing statistic point of view, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain comes really into his own. He has more attempts, he has more progressive passes, he has more progressive pass distance, greater amount of shock, shock creating actions, and also carrying the ball forward. I mentioned that Jacob Ramsey is our main ball carrier, and when we look down here towards the carries into the attacking third, Jacob Ramsey carries carries into the attacking third 2.19 times per, per game, which puts him in the top 10% of midfielders in Europe, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain carries it 3.4 times per game, which puts him in the top 1%. So it's those fine margins that, that separate the two of them. And I think that Jacob Ramsey is really on, the, on, a, on a good road here for, for showing the type of uh, midfielder that he can be. And it gets me excited that if you've got two people who can carry the ball at that level, um, specifically progressing a forward into the attacking third, you're going to win more free kicks. You're going to have teams turning around more. Running at teams like that gets people out of position way more than a long ball or a crossfield ball can. Uh, sorry, it does it quicker than a, a crossfield ball or a long ball, long ball can. So I want us to diversify our midfield from that point of view. 
So that's going to be Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Final thoughts on him here once again. And I'm fully expecting some comments from people that will be disappointed that this guy, that this person is linked. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has a skill set that is very good. He's a very he's, he's a good footballer. Okay, I think that's like we have to park the injuries for a moment and talk objectively ob objectively with regards to what he can do on the field. And he can do some really good things on the football field, specifically from a, an offensive point of view. But the injuries are the specter. They are the skeleton in his closet. And it's not something I can sit here. There's no statistic that you can pull that can tell you that he's fully, fully recovered from injuries. There's no way a manager can stand up at a pulpit and say he's fully um, recovered from injuries. It's only time will tell us that. And based on that, for the right price, I do think that for the right price, and if he wasn't the only, only midfield reinforcement that was to come in between now and the start of the season, I think... Um, I think that he has a lot to offer, specifically, you know, maybe over 25 games in the season and having maybe somewhere close to 17,000 minutes or, or somewhere between 12 and 17,000 minutes over the course of the season. I think you could get that out of Axley Chamberlain. And uh, I think he could uh, he could be a bargain signing. But once again, as I say, if the price is right, then I think Aston Villa should maybe have a sniff around it. If the price isn't right, absolutely stay well away because that spectre of injuries is going to be something that's going to hang over him. Thanks again, everybody, for watching. I really appreciate it. I've had tons of videos out this week, and I hope you've appreciate. I hope you've enjoyed them all. Not appreciate them all. I hope you enjoyed them all. Should I say because I've enjoyed doing them? Please give this a thumbs up if you like it. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also. Um, we will be back again next week. We've got we've got some more things lined up um, over the course of next week. If anything breaks over the weekend, we will come back to you with it. But if anything doesn't break, we might take the weekend off to rest, recharge, and recover. Uh, but next week is another week. I expect Villa to start getting more busy within the transfer market. I expect the links to get more concrete over the course of the next week and the week after as we start to do our business before players get back into the building and specifically before we go to Australia in July. So. Thanks ever so much, everybody, for watching once again. I really appreciate it. Stay safe, stay healthy, and all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.